what's up, everybody? Got a good episode for you today. Got Adam uh, from Shamanic Philosophy and the Wayfinder podcast on the show. I came across Adam uh, through his Instagram handle, Shamanic Philosophy, and I just noticed that I was liking all of the posts. Every time he would post something, it would be like, oh, cool, this is great. This is good information. Keep it coming. Good wisdom, good good quotes, You know, good inspirational uh, stuff. And then I discovered that he had a podcast where he's talking about you know, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things from, you know, culture and Kundalini and conspiracies and, uh, just esoteric knowledge and ideas, hermeticism and archetypes and just, uh, all the really good stuff that we, we dabble in on this show and, and he's really kind of laying it out there and interviewing people about alchemy and hypnosis and, um, the universal language of math and these sorts of things. Also, psychedelics as well. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting guy, and I thought we had a good conversation. He's an entrepreneur, philosopher, a musician, a writer, uh, outdoor enthusiast, and a shamanic wayfinder. Uh, so, yeah, really, uh, really interesting. You know, they're diving deep uh, in the shamanic philosophy land in uh, ancient mysteries and wisdom alternative history, psychedelic exploration, and uh, the nature of reality, you know, what, what the good, all the good stuff, all the good, good, the good things that I like to think about, that you guys like to think about, you know, we, we want to know, we want to explore, and we we get curious about why things are the way they are, if they're not really aligning with how we're living our lives, is there something more, is there something else? Well, Thankfully, we live in the time that we live in where we have access to the internet, and the internet really changes the game completely, because just like every single thing that we experience in our in our reality, uh, they can be used for positive or they can be used for destructive purposes, they can be used for improving and learning and growing and entertaining and getting curious, connecting, sharing communicating ideas, having dialogue, having discourse, civil discourse, right? Agreeing to disagree and arguing from respectful points of view. Or we could, you know, take in the direction that seems to get played up the most because we are a storytelling animal that likes to create narratives of heroes and villains and these sorts of things. And so we get wrapped up in this sort of, uh, you know, villainistic, I guess, world, so to speak. Uh, that it can be that way if you allow yourself to check out, right? But uh, there's there's also maybe some benefits to that if that's what you choose, if that's if that if that's what's appealing to you about this experience. But if you're feeling like there's maybe a little inner conflict and the things that you're engaging with aren't really serving you and aren't really fulfilling you deeply at a soul level. I think everybody's had these moments in their life where they really feel alive and they feel like they're in the zone, they're in the moment and time stands still and space is gone and everything is just, wow, like whatever, whatever it is, drinking a, a cold glass of water on a really hot day and you're really thirsty, you know, that moment of like, ah. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we, we try and just get that moment without going through the suffering of the heat and then the relief of the cold water. And that's a, that's, you know, that's, that's a way to go too. You know, that's definitely a way to go, but there's other ways to go. And I know people that like this show like to explore those ways. And I think you'll find this conversation I had with Adam of shamanic philosophy and the wayfinder podcast to be really interesting. I sure did. And I can't wait to dive into more of his stuff. So, uh, with that being said, just a little bees and ass, uh, shite, hemp bombs, go get CBD, uh, 15% off, enter the code Mike15 at checkout, Synchro, enter the code, uh, go to bsynchro.com for keto, plant-based nutrition products, enter the code um, Mikeadelic and get 20% off. I'm really, I'm really giving it my all with these, uh, <laughs> with these sponsors, maybe, but I don't know, you know, I, I like I like the Patreon model, to be honest with you, better because it's like if you enjoy something and you want to support it and, you know, then I could, I don't have to like hawk this stuff, even though I think it's good stuff. I mean, that's the only reason why I, I, I do it. 
but uh, still, it's a thing that I have to do, and it's you know. So if uh, if you get value from the show, just I'd appreciate if you went to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and you could become a patron for as little as $1 a month and I'll do bonus episodes and there's stickers and t-shirts and I'll, I'll come to your house and live with you for a week, whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of rewards. So <laughs> I'm getting my gear and I'm moving it in here with you. Go watch the Chris Farley down by the river sketch after after you get and absorb the the wisdom and the knowledge of this podcast take five minutes to watch that because we all need to to be entertained as well and to laugh um so yeah that'd be that'd just be a good way and if you don't have you know an extra you know fake piece of paper that the federal reserve issues out uh as a note for something to exchange with other people with if you don't have any of those things um that's cool just if you like the show, you know, just tell people about it and go to Apple Podcasts if you can. Click a five-star review. That'd be great. I'll accept, you know, anything. But if you have uh, any suggestions, criticisms, or whatever for the show, uh, feedback, just message me. I always respond. Go to my website, mikebrank.com, and find the contact page there. You can send me an email. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Reach out. I love uh, hearing back from you guys and, and talking with you. It's uh, one of my favorite things to do. So uh, you could do that too. And um, yeah, that's. I think that's about it. I don't know. I always forget if I have like announcements or something coming up. But we'll. Uh, yeah, well, I'll get to that at some point. <laughs> let's just let's just get into the show because it's a good one. And um, yeah, without further ado, Adam from Shamanic Philosophy and. The Wayfinder podcast. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Uh, I am uh, in Denver, Colorado. Man, I love Colorado. Yeah, I just moved here in January, and I am loving it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places. We we travel there and take the camper and the kids and stuff and go hang out in the mountains a lot. We like it down there. Nice. Oh, you have kids? Yeah, yeah. I got a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. Oh, wow, wow. Cool, man. Well, it's it's that's awesome. Yeah, it's good to get out with the family and and get out in nature and share that experience. So uh, there's nothing like it. Yeah, man. It's uh it's nice, you know, for the kids to kind of get a reset. I mean, it's nice for everybody to get a reset, but kids especially, I think they kind of have an uphill battle, you know, they have a whole a whole culture of childhood now that's built around technology and you know, it's just not how not how I grew up. Grew up out in the country, so Yeah. Instills a different value set and a different sensory experience of your everyday life, you know. Definitely, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Um, you know, the the pressures on children these days are—it's not like what we had, and obviously not like what our parents had. It's it's a tremendous pull to this technological behemoth that can suck your soul right out. <laughs> but if you if you if you're there for too long, you know. But learning how to use it in balance. So you um. Where did you Where did you grow up? I grew up outside of Dallas in a little farm town, about 200 people or so. It was a pretty small area, but you know, I grew up fishing and playing in the woods and climbing trees and making tree houses and stuff like that, swinging across creeks with 
chopped off vines and stuff, George of the Jungle stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what every everyone wants to do, I think, when they're when they're a kid. And, and certainly I did that, too. And, you know, yeah, that George of the Jungle kind of... Uh, uh, What's what's this this story with the? I was about to say Dick Finn, the Huckleberry Finn, yeah, Huck Finn, you know, like Alan, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. That's that's really, I think, in my opinion, that's what kids need, you know, like a world of discovery where there's a little bit of danger and you're not being helicopter parented by these these beasts that are telling you what to do. Did so? Did you have? Uh, how was your upbringing? Was it was it good? Were you you were able to explore and be free and and discover? Yeah, I had a, you know, I had a pretty cool upbringing and I didn't really fully appreciate how cool my upbringing was until, you know, really the last few years and just talking to more people who've had different kinds of upbringing, different kinds of parents and all that. And, uh, realized finally that my parents were really pretty balanced people. You know, they were sort of, Hey, uh, sorry, can I stop you for one, one second? I'm I'm getting a little wind in the, are you outside or? Yeah, I am. Hold on. Let me get somewhere else. But yeah, no. So I I, I grew up outside doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, my my parents were, they let me kind of roam around and get scrapes and cuts and bruises and poison ivy and all that and kind of learn how to pay attention to things, which I think, you know, incidentally kind of is one of the problems with, you know, how a lot of a lot of us are parenting our kids now is, you know, we, we don't really let them expose themselves to risk and we don't let them figure stuff out. And so they don't really ever learn to pay attention. Right. So their 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 th- threat tolerance is unhealthily low, right? They're not really willing to take risks or any of that stuff, and uh, you see that manifest in all kinds of different ways, you know. Totally, yeah, and and you know, with the kids, it's like starting from this like blank canvas that you're painting on, uh, and then that manifests as they grow into the adults that then are in positions of authority in the world and things like that. And, you know, that has, has its, its problems too. Uh, we, we sort of live in this world where it's really kind of, we're trying to sterilize everything and put it into nice little yep. neat packages and boxes, but that's not really how, how things work. Right. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it can work that way, but it doesn't work very well, you know, cause the reality is, is that people aren't perfect and, uh, you know, there are bad people out there, there are good people out there, but whenever you're only getting one narrative pushed at you from the news, it's really easy to live in this sort of fear space and raise your kids, you know, like a helicopter parent. Man, that is such a a great perspective to have and such a breath of fresh air. And thank you for, for operating in that space, you know, in this complex, almost paradoxical, nuanced space of the gray. You know, we, we, we tend to want to put everything into, you know, this you know, binary category of like, this is good, this is bad, this, you know, and so that's awesome that you're able to do that. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you too, because, you know, your, your Instagram account, Shamanic Philosophy and the Wayfinder podcast, it seems like that's the kind of content that you're putting out. That's the kind of conversation that you're looking to have, right? To explore these areas and ask these questions. Uh, does that sound fair to say? No, that's it. I mean, and really, you know, it's it's about trying to help people find and maintain balance in their lives in, in an unbalanced world. You know, we, uh, you just mentioned the gray area, right? Well, I mean, what, what's a gray area? It's, it's really the balanced mid midpoint between two extremes. So you have certainty on one side in this case, and you have total chaos or uncertainty on the other. And if you live in total chaos, I mean, that's not how you want to raise your kids right? They want to understand what stability looks like because there are all kinds of ramifications if that doesn't happen. You know, kids who aren't exposed to stability have all kinds of, you know, issues down the road. And then kids who are helicopter parented, who lived in a state of absolute certainty and safety their whole lives, you know, they don't really understand that balance. And, uh, you know, that's really what I want to do with, with, with my podcast and with you know my social media platform is to just put out, really, it's just putting out my journey because it's not like, I've always understood this stuff, right? So it's it's kind of my journey in real time to finding balance and helping to impart that whatever wisdom I you know I, I come across to my kids and my family and my friends and my circle of of impact after that. Yeah, that's great. And then, uh, yeah, the people beyond that too. You know, that's 
that's how these ideas spread is you start touching those people around you and then, and then more people and more people and then they tell their friends. So it's good. It's good to be putting that message on the world and it's one that I'm on board with. Can you share a little bit about your story? Like coming, you know, tell a little bit about your journey and, and discovery and, and wanting to kind of to do, to do the things that you're doing now? Yeah, sure. It's, it's kind of funny because when I've, you know, and I've, I've gone through this before, but like when I, when I look back, it all seems so clear, but you know, for most of my life, I was kind of just, you know, drifting, drifting through life and riding the responsibility train and just kind of trying to do what a lot of people do, right? Just take care of your family, solve problems and, and, and all that stuff. But really when I was five years old, I found this book on my dad's bookshelf and it was a book on like mystic places and it had a pyramid on the front and had a sphinx and said mystic places. And it was a, it was a part of a bigger book set with like 20 books and it was a bunch of esoteric stuff. And so I read this thing. And as soon as I opened this book up, you know, like five years old, I, I, I see Atlantis and ancient Egypt and Lemuria and all this stuff in this book. Blavatsky was in there. And I thought, man, this is fascinating. So my whole life, I, I was always attracted to, to the esoteric, to, to the occult and to uh, magic and the Illuminati and Atlantis and all that. And uh, it was always kind of just a, I guess, a, you know, a guilty pleasure or a nerdy indulgence on the side of, you know, the rest of my life. It wasn't ever something I took all that seriously, but I was, I always had questions from a young age that were, you know, sort of metaphysical questions, you know, what happens after we die and, you know, what, how does spirits work and how does energy work? And so, you know, I, I grew up in a house that wasn't, it wasn't religious really. You know, my mom was really open to whatever. My dad didn't really care. So I, I didn't have what a lot of people have, which is a lot of religious indoctrination. And I also didn't have two militant atheist parents. They would kind of let me do what I you know, wanted to do. So when I told them I wanted to start going to church, I was curious about some things. They didn't have any problem with it. So, you know, I went from one church to another as a, as a kid, probably 10 years old on, you know, trying to find answers to these questions and, you know, finally, you know, developed a pretty solid spiritual belief system in Christianity, 16, 17 years old. And, uh, by the time I was 20, 21, I was you know, married and had kids and, you know, was thinking differently and got really into like, Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris and Dan Dennett and Richard Dawkins and, yeah. you know, all the, you know, Lawrence Krauss, all, all the atheistic, you know, guys. And so, you know, I kind of took on that belief, that belief set, um, for most of my twenties, but, uh, you know, I never lost track of in the back of my mind, these, these things I had read that, you know, that seemed like fantasy, for most of my life. And certainly at that time, it felt like fantasy, but I was, you know, I discovered Graham Hancock when I was like 18 and was reading his books. And, you know, I always had, I guess in my subconscious, I just thought this is all fantasy. And then about four years ago, went through some life changes and, uh, took, you know, my first really big dose of mushrooms. I had done them when I was like a teenager and stuff, but you know, never really in a very thoughtful setting. But so I uh, took a big dose of mushrooms and then, everything that I had ever learned about the esoteric and spiritual philosophy and occult ideologies and mysticism. And it all just clicked all the dots connected and it all made sense. And it was the most profound experience of my life. And so, you know, I had all this knowledge by this point and I'd never taken it seriously. And so four years ago I started taking it seriously and, you know, started working my way into a more spiritual lifestyle and a less materialistic lifestyle. And, you know, looking after aspects of myself that I never really, really believed existed, you know, um, in the mystical parts of our mind and spiritual parts of our, of our nature. And so for the last, you know, four years, it's been a, it's been a pretty crazy journey of self-discovery and integration of lessons and, you know, furthering my own understanding of, you know, who I am and what I'm here to do, and then trying to pass it on to other people. And that, you know, that's been done a, a variety of ways, but, you know, through, sort of a, a mishmash of, of belief systems, you know, that I carry around in my head, um, largely oriented on Buddhism and Hinduism and uh, shamanism and hermeticism, really, mm. Neoplatonism. And, uh, you know, I, I just was always fascinated with Native American culture and shamanism, you know, and that was also one of those, one of those books that I read when I was a kid, too, was on shamanism. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that sort of the, the grounding, you know, the grounding post for my, my, my spiritual philosophy, this cocktail of ideologies I've kind of crammed together. But, um, you know, that I think that, I think that having a spiritual life, a sensibly spiritual life, um, 
can really enrich the way that people live. It can, it can enrich their families, their relationships. And, uh, you know, it, it starts at, at its core with being open and understanding to different, to different belief systems. And most of all, being aware that different people do carry different belief systems, because that's something that, you know, a lot of kids that are brought up in a specific church or, 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 or doctrine, you know, they're, they're taught this sort of dichotomous, um, you know, we're right, everybody else is wrong, it, it's black or white. Um, but you mentioned this gray area earlier, and that's really the thing that, you know, we, we talk about in our house is that there's, there are a lot of different ways to believe, you know, there are a lot of different, um, people out there that believe different things. And, you know, if you think critically and you, you know, you only allow yourself to be guided by love and understanding, then, you know, the, the validity of different belief systems become pretty self-evident. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good way to package it. You know, it's like, start from there. That's your, your base for the soup that you're making in this yeah. life. And, you know, take in the things that, that taste good to you and, 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 and put it that way because you're right. There's an infinite number of belief systems and it's not just, uh, put into the ones that we think of as religious packages, but there's belief systems mm-hmm. about money and government and power and, you know, etiquette and all of these types of things. So sure. The diversity and novelty of it all is, in my opinion, what makes it interesting. But I'm, I'm really, it's really cool that you kind of turned on that way, that you had that experience having all that prior knowledge and then having that knowledge kind of confirmed, you know, or that, that feeling that you yeah. had being confirmed. Yeah, it, it was really, it, it was an interesting sort of revelation to me because, you know, I... I own a, a an IT solutions company. That's what I do, and and we've been in business since 2005. And so we provide you know information security and information technology services um, for businesses all over all over the U.S. And um, we started out in the healthcare sector and hospitals, and, and branched out into virtually every other other industry that there is. And um, so it, it's it, it was a very it's a very left brain world, you know. Um, I'm sure, your listeners are familiar with the concept of left and right brain, you know, yeah, yeah. concepts, but it's a very left brain world, right? I mean, it's computers and digits and spreadsheets and budgets and timelines and project management and, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's on top of that being in on, on the corporate side of it, dealing with other, you know, corporations and stuff. It's a very masculine energy, you know, sort of straight lines, straight edges, you know, it's, there's not a lot of flex and there's not a lot of, you know, room for, emotion or feelings or any of that stuff, you know, you're just kind of a problem solving robot. So that's what I did all through, um, you know, since 2005 really. And, um, you know, it's easy to get into that boat and never get out. And so in that mind space, it was really easy for me to just keep all of these esoteric things that I have been reading about my whole life that were so fascinating to me. It was easy to relegate those to the, to the, uh, the, the sci-fi bin right? Put them up on the shelf next to Lord of the Rings. Sure, yeah. I um, mean, I think a, a good, that's a, a sign of good intelligence, though, is a healthy dose of, of skepticism, I think, in my opinion. And that's good for you to have that awareness at a young age. You know, you talked about seeing this book at five and then getting interested in and in going to church at 10. So that that's that's a pretty good container to start with. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, the cool thing is, is you know, I was blessed because, and this is, I guess, kind of also a root of of the change that has taken place in my life was, was an understanding of gratitude, right? Um, because I have a lot of gratitude for the fact that I was born a very, very curious and B into a family that allowed curiosity to do its thing. Right. Yeah. So whether I wanted to go flip over a rock and see if there was a snake underneath it or go see if I could swing across a Creek on a vine or, you know, see if I could swim all the way across the channel at the lake. Um, or if I wanted to go to church and try to learn something, you know, that was, uh, maybe my parents didn't understand or whatever. So, you know, I, I didn't do anything to, to contribute to that. Right. I mean, it's just sheer good fortune that I was born into that family, into my family and that I was born curious. And so that was another sort of revelation that came to me at the outset of this whole journey four years ago was that, um, you know, we've, we have every reason in the world to be grateful. Just the fact that we're able to sit and have a conversation um, you know, or hold hands with our kids or, or, you know, have a job to go to or have, you know, a home to live in or whatever. Um, you know, life is really just a, just a long stream of, of chance and outcome and how you react to that outcome. And it's all a bunch of spirals, you know? And so it's, uh, 
I think once, once I realized that, you know, that I, I was one of a trillion sperm that made the journey. And then I was born into my family and born with, uh, you know, curiosity and whatever gifts that I, I have. I didn't do anything to deserve any of that. I didn't do anything to contribute to it. And so just understanding, you know, that put me into a place I'd never been in before, which was um, sort of a place of faith. You know, I developed faith for the first time, even though I was, you know, a practicing Christian as a teenager. And in my early 20s, I, you know, I always used to tell my preachers and stuff, like, I, I don't have faith. I need to understand stuff. I need to know. Stuff needs yeah. to make sense. If I, right, ask you a, right. if I ask you a question as a preacher, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> I felt the same way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 and I was open with that. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of ashamed of it as a Christian. I was like, man, I don't have, I don't have faith, but God at a point made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and but so that's, that's the worst answer that a, an adult can give a, a kid who's like us, who's curious, asking questions, because that's just the way it is. Or like, you know, it's just, dude, that's because that's what we said. It's like, hey, we have questions. Can you please like do us the respect of, of answering us? Like Alan Watts says, the way that we, we treat children are like, not like humans. We treat them like candidates for humanity. And it's like, they have a say in this as well, too, right? We're here, we're conscious. We all remember what it's like to be a, a child, a curious child. Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. Um, and I think that, I think that most parents are doing the best they can, right? I know that my, my mom, you know, she, she's never considered herself to be a scholar, right? She probably didn't do great in school, but, you know, she's got a, a huge heart. She's the best lady that I've ever met. And she was always willing to sit down with me as a little kid and open up a dictionary or an encyclopedia and just learn new words or, or show me new places or whatever. And she didn't have the answers. She was, you know, she was open to, to sitting down with me and helping find those answers. Um, you know, a lot of parents don't have that outlook or they don't have the time or they don't understand. You know, we, we're kind of creatures of imitation as humans, right? And so if we right. grow up in a house where we don't see that, we don't know to do it. And so I didn't do that for a long time, you know, and I've, I've spoken about this, you know, several times, um, you know, I, I, I was, I was not a great dad for the first 10 years of, of, or nine years of my oldest son's life. And the first, you know, however many years of my, my now nine year old son's life, I was working a lot. I was caught up in the corporate world, trying to do the materialism thing and have stuff and do stuff and, and grow a company. And, um, you know, I didn't know any other way to be. And it really wasn't until this journey started um, where I realized, like, man, you know, these little these little kids, they need your time, they need your affection, they need your understanding, they need your guidance, you know, they need the impression that you can leave on them, and you need to make sure that's a positive one. So I set my kids down and said, guys, look, I kind of sucked at this job when I got it, and I didn't know how I was, you know, I didn't know how to do it, but some things are going to change. You know, my, my behavior is going to be different going forward. I'm not perfect, so I'm going to screw up, but I want to be more patient and more open to understanding and and, uh, you know, make myself more available for you. And if you ever feel like I'm slipping up on that, call me out on it. And they did. And it enriched our relationship so much. And, you know, I'm so thankful for that more than anything is that I can, I can honestly say I, I wasn't, I wasn't a great dad. I was doing my best, but you know, the path that I had my kids on wasn't really the path I would want them on, you know, seeing things more clearly now. Yeah. But over the last four years, I've, I've integrated these lessons and, you know, um, really, I, our, our, our lives, our relationships are, are, are better than they've ever been. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, obviously I would love to take credit for all of it, but you know, it was, it was really the systematic and periodic use of psychedelics where, um, that opened my eyes to, um, to what my behavior was in reality. Right. So I, of course, I'm a big advocate of, of psilocybin mushrooms mm -hmm. and, you know, doing, you know, a, a good size psilocybin trip every, you know, once every quarter, you know, something like that, every seasonal change, how, however you want to do it. Um, you know, they, they, they sort of act like windshield wipers and they get all the crap off the windshield and you can see, you know, what your behavior has really been like. How have you really been treating people? You know, have you, you've really been neglecting your kids or have you been doing a pretty good job? You know, have you been rude to your spouse or your partner a few times, you know, cause work is stressing you out. And they, they sort of put a spotlight on, on all that stuff and let you explore, you know, your experiences, your behaviors, your attitudes, thoughts, moods, actions, and, and relationships. And, yeah. you know, they give you remarkably clear insight into what you can do to fix those things. And so right. I would yeah. come back from a trip and integrate that stuff. And mm. three or four months later, you know, I'd go back and visit and the trip would be a lot easier. It was a lot more pleasant. <laughs> um, 
and they'd say, okay, you know, you're doing a lot better. You know, a few more things we can work on here, but, um, you know, you're doing a whole lot better. And so finally, after a couple of years of that, you know, I, I had my first mushroom trip that was just really, it was, it was just pleasant start to finish. And up until then they, they had all been tough to one degree or another. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, particularly with mushrooms, but also like ayahuasca and, um, San Pedro and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. you know, they, you know that if you're not acting right and you go into a, into a trip, you're going to pay for it. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Kinda like Santa Claus is coming for your kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they want to act, act good because Santa Claus is coming. It's like you want to act good because you have a trip coming up in a couple of weeks and you're going to pay for everything you've done since your last trip. Right. Yes, exactly. No, that, this is such a good point. Uh, and, and it, it, amazing that you went on this healing journey and were able to integrate and apply it to your life. And yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, the, the, the thing that, that kind of stood out to me was that, right. You're we're, the common misconception with psychedelics is that you're going to trip out and you're going to see dragons or whatever, you know, people that are naive, they don't know what these things are. And here you are telling this beautiful story because these, in my opinion, if you use them with in the right intention as tools, they don't make you see things that aren't there and, uh, you know, are fake, so to speak, as the common misconception is. They bring you into intense reality and they cause you to, yeah. to face that intense reality. And it takes a lot of courage and strength to do that. And I think in this world of illusions that we've created, these necessary illusions, uh, that that can be really fracturing for a lot of people, you know, to, to, to do that. And I think that's why there's a little fear around it as well. But, um, yeah, that's, that, that's just where my, my mind went with that because these, these are such, they can be such healing tools and transformative tools so that now you're, you're free, you're liberated to walk your path and continue this journey of checking in and remembering while also sharing wisdom that can benefit a lot of people because not a lot of people have an opportunity to grow up that way. I didn't, but uh, if we can maybe teach others that these, these tools and these techniques and this wisdom and this way to try and raise kids or, or whatever. That's a, that's a very, you know, needed message for sure. Yeah, I, I think so. And that's, you know, that's why I do what I do in, in the way that I do it. Right. Is, you know, I, I can see what a dramatic impact, um, the way that I operate now and the way that our, our, our house is managed now and our family is managed now, I can see the, you know, the, the ripples of impact in my kids in terms of how confident they are, how open-minded they are, um, you know, how, how much they, they, the curiosity they have about, about nature and about the world and, and spirituality and, um, and, and just knowledge in general. Right. And, uh, you know, of course, as a part of all of this, this other sort of way of, of living more of a naturalistic way of living, you know, we spend more time doing art and we write and we read and, you know, the kids really like to draw and put their drawings up on the, uh, on the fridge and all that stuff. And so all that stuff exercises, you know, the creative centers in our brain. And again, I mean, that's something that it's really needed because that's really the opposite of what they're getting in, in certainly in public education, but really probably in, in most private education as well. You know, a lot of straight lines, a lot of, yeah, the traditional death, model of, of, of schooling in general, this general, mo this general weird, uh, you know, sta static conception that we have that like, this is the only model of learning is to sit in desks in a building with people your age and yeah, that whole thing. Um, yeah, it's a factory, Yeah, you know, it's a factory. And so that's, you know, when I, when I started doing this, that was one of the first things I realized I, I needed to do with this platform was to talk about parenting, you know, talking about parenting is something that I do a lot. And, uh, I think that, you know, the response that I get from a lot of, a lot of the people that, that follow the podcast and the, the Instagram page, I get messages all, messages all the time from parents who say, man, thanks so much for this video or for this podcast or, or, you know, this post that you made or whatever it is, because, you know, I've, I've thought for a long time that I want to, I want to find a way to raise my kids in a sensibly spiritual way, you know, or help them understand the world in, in, you know, more complex terms, but I don't really, I don't really have a model for that. And, you know, you've kind of, I think been able to, you know, provide people with some kind of a, of an outlook that they can adopt and some methodologies they can adopt in their house to, to parent their kids, you know, and that'll always be something that's very, very 
near and dear to my heart. Sure. And, and I think that it's good, you know, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell, this kind of hero's myth, uh, yeah. hero's journey. Um, and you know, that, that is something I think we're faced with maybe with almost every moment of every day, right? Like we get a, we get a call to do something. Are we going to do it? Make a choice. Um, but this, you know, kind of answering that call and accepting sort of the, the, what can be sometimes maybe a, a burden or a challenge of the sort of gift that you're supposed to share because that that's it doesn't happen by accident there's no, there's nothing worse than somebody that has discovered a lot of has a lot of information has a lot of knowledge right like i was watching uh back to the future the other day and george mcfly he you know he writes these science fiction books but he's like oh they're never going to be good you know right so he, it, th- these people that have this interest and this passion, and I know a lot of people that listen to the show definitely do, and that's why they tune in. What what would you like? What would you say to like how to follow that that call or how to listen, how to tune in and, and hear that uh, instruction? Well, I would. I mean, I think that getting into nature is one of the most important things we do, and it's one of the most important practices that we've lost. Right? It's one of the most in, in, you know powerful habits we've gotten out of. You know what we talked about just uh, at the beginning of the show. It's um, it's really easy to get locked inside and, and get in front of a TV. We have Netflix and Voodoo and HBO and all kinds of stuff, right? So it's as long as we remain distracted, as opposed to being mindful and present, it's really easy to block out that inner voice that's calling us to go on the hero's journey. You know, and I know for me, a lot of the times it was it was work, and it was you know it was it was work and kids and and uh, you know video games or, um, you know, just whatever responsibilities I, I had in my life. And, and we're, we're sort of conditioned to think that, you know, if you're stressed out, go home and have, you know, have a couple of drinks whenever you walk in the door and, and that'll decompress you and then sit down in front of, you know, Netflix and throw on a stand up comedy special or something like that. And, and that stuff's great. You know, I'm not saying that no one should have a drink here and there and no one should watch comedy. Um, you know, I, I can do that too, but, you know, just not understanding that they're, there may be a higher purpose, you know, that, that we're called to in our lives. And that, you know, if you pursue that higher purpose, you'll find that, um, you know, that, that the universe will compi- conspire to support you. I forget whoever said that, you know, the universe right, yeah, will, yeah. Will, will get behind you and help push you down that road. But you've got to, you know, you've got to be mindful and present enough to, to stop and identify that that's even a thing, you know. Right, I, I thought my right. calling was to run a technology company. Right. And, uh, it, it was cause I was distracted and living in the world of technology companies. So yeah, I mean, you gotta be present. You totally have to be present and it's really, really fucking hard. And I get distracted to this day all the time, but there's, you know, there was a time in my life where I was just looking for the bliss express, you know, like most people are, it's just like, put me on the train to ecstasy and never stop, you know, just stacking one thing, material thing, one, the next show, the next party, the next thing, whatever. Um, and that, that is definitely available to us and highly suggested to say, Hey, do this, do these things, right? (laughs) People. But the, the message of that you're talking about here, there's, there's something it's, it's, it's playing the game, I think, in my opinion, you know, it's like you can play a video game and be with someone who's like, Oh, you're not doing it right. Let me take over and I'll show you the moves or let me enter the cheat codes. But what fun is that? You know, I think really yeah. accepting that challenge, plugging into this, um, I don't even know what to call it. You know, not, I, I want to say material world, but that I'm res- that's reserved for like the technology and all the stuff that we invent. I mean, this uh, playing into the game of this really real world, you know, that we're like physically yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, culture has, you know, a lot to, a lot to do with everyone's happiness and everyone's level of fulfillment in, in life because, you know, culture tells us that we need whatever's on the TV, whatever's on the radio, whatever the neighbors have, you know, whatever the kids' friends have at school that they need and that they want. And that becomes really the object of our pursuit in life is, is to fulfill these superficial material needs. And we do it at big levels and small levels. But ultimately, you know, you are what you do repeatedly. Right. And so, you know, the, the more that, you know, I work to give my kids the video games and, get, you know, get a, a nice house and all these things. Um, I, I'm, if, if those are the things that I value that I think are cherished by the people that, that I'm responsible for and that I care about, then that's going to be the, the direction of my, of my path. 
Right. And so, you know, it's, it, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna have to, you know, recalibrate your, your, your values a little bit, change your priorities around and orient yourself on what's most important. And really that's just fulfilling your higher purpose and doing what you're passionate about. And, uh, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're trying to fulfill culture's expectations instead of our own potential, I guess is really what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what kind of things, uh, do you do repeatedly that helps keep you in this, in this zone? Meditation is important. Um, I think just just most people would agree with that who live any kind of a spiritual life and meditation is important. It's one of the, it's one of the few things that you'll see, you know, an immediate improvement, you know, in terms of, you know, health benefits and practices. I mean, if you, if you meditate at 8am, um, when you're done at 8:15 or 8:30, I mean, you're going to feel 10 times better than you will the next day if you don't meditate. It's an immediate, you know, it's an immediately acting factor in your in your day. Uh, yeah. Exercise yeah. is super key, and meditation's a, a thing. And by the way, I'm actually writing a book um, about this. Oh, cool! These practices that I've that I've you know um, found in my own life, and then I'm so blessed to have a circle of friends around me and family who you know dozen or 15 people who. Um, are all wonderful people and supportive people, and you know we've sort of you know coalesced together on this journey. And and uh, as as we implement these things collectively in our lives, everyone gets together on the weekends or whatever, and you know we have a cookout and talk about the changes that have taken place since the last time we met because of these types of of practices and um, methods that we implement in in, in our lives. So yeah, it's uh, that's essentially what the book is about. It's just a uh, these different steps of, of trying to maintain balance in your life and meditation is super key. Exercise yeah, is yeah. super key. You know, we, we sit down a lot as a culture and it's really not good for you. Right. So we yeah, have to exercise. Yeah. It's, it's the, the spine is, is not uh, the, the best design I think on the human body. So it's like constantly taking the, the brunt on our backs and everything. It's really, I I've been recently going to a chiropractor. I never went in my life before and it's really, really helped me. And I try and stand as much as possible and walk and meditation. Like you mentioned, even if it's just, you know, I think people have this idea that they have to sit there and be, have their thoughts totally blank for like an hour or whatever, even if it's just five minutes that you take, yeah. like ten, take 10 breaths and sit that just do that every day as much as you can. And it really does make a world of difference. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I've actually got a section in my book about conscious breathing, you know, and just taking 60 seconds. If you're feeling stressed, just sit for 60 seconds and just breathe consciously and become aware of your breath, control your breath. And you know, there's a lot that you can accomplish with that. Breath control is really, I think, at, at the root of any meditative practice. You know, it always seems to come back to breath control. Yeah. It's one of the most powerful things you can do, and it, it's quick acting. Again, like you said, so you don't, you know, you don't need 15 minutes of, of quiet time because a lot of us don't have that. We have kids, jobs, and everything else. So, just taking 60 seconds to go to go to a quiet spot and focusing your breathing can can reset, you know, a chaotic morning you know, in, in 60 seconds, it's really powerful. Oh, to- totally. And you know, it's even if, like, I keep bringing it back. I'm like, yeah, there's, it can even be smaller. Like, even if it's just one deep breath, I, I bet that there's people out there that go their whole days without taking one really deep, slow uh-huh. inhale and exhalation. And even just doing that can slow things down a little bit. But it's interesting that we're, we're living in this environment that makes that so seem so, um, I don't so know. Radical. Yeah, yeah, like radical or like intangible or unrealistic or something like. Yeah, you just think, oh man, I can't. I, there's no way I could stop in the middle of my day and breathe for 60 seconds. Are you crazy? I don't have that kind of time, you know. But I mean, we, we do, and we <laughs> yeah. spend a lot more time than that on on social media every day. Yeah. Um, but that's a big one, you know. And I, I think another big one is hydration. You know, I think it 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 deserves its own place in a book. Um, you know, just hydration because of all of the things that happen when you don't hydrate and the difference in, you know, your, your mood, your thought processes, your neurochemistry, your biochemistry, your, your, your gut, everything that goes on in your body is impacted drastically by lack of hydration or, you know, versus proper hydration. Yeah. And we live in a, we live in a society where we have lots of options, right? So we've got lots of sodas and, um, you know, all all kinds of things that we can drink besides water. And, uh, you know, I used to think, you know, uh, God, five or six big glasses of water a day, eight glasses of water a day. And it's like, man, I'm, 
I'm good. You know, yeah. I've had plenty of water for the day. You know, <laughs> now I carry around a gallon jug that I fill up two or three times a day and I yeah. just drink water and, you know, take a leak constantly. And, you know, <laughs> so, you so simple, so important. Yeah. You can tell the difference, you yeah. know, if you're dehydrated and sometimes I don't do great. And then, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, all of a sudden my head's foggy and I feel sluggish and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't drink enough water and I'll go pound half a gallon of water. And 10 minutes later, it's like I, you know, like I took a super pill or something. <laughs> we just overlook the simple things, I think. And yes, a lot of that yes. comes down to science overcomplicating things in health class and right. in science class. Yes. And it, it's such a, it's such a, you know, a labyrinth of, of knowledge to try to, you know, understand the inner workings of, of your human, of the human body as it pertains to health. And the same as it is in the psychology community for the mind and um, neuroscience with the brain. It's like these things are, can be reduced down to a lot simpler explanations than what we're given. Um, I just did a, a podcast with um, the brilliant polymath, Robert Grant. Mm-hmm. And we spent some time talking about that. And this guy's one of the smartest people probably walking the earth today. Mm. Uh, cracked the prime number pattern, which, you know, is obviously one of the oldest and greatest mysteries in, you know, in the field of mathematics since Egypt. We always thought we couldn't crack that. Robert did uh, fairly recently, but a you know, very smart guy. And we spent a lot of our time talking about this, the, the, the way that the scientific community has, you know, um, created so much complexity and so much confusion around concepts that, that people all over the world in ancient times and in tribal settings, um, they understood in very simple terms. And that's when you start looking at hermeticism as a, as a viable um, sort of bridge between science, spirituality, and psychology, and neuroscience, and biology, and everything else. Yeah, totally. Tribal societies uh, know what they're doing, and we tend to look at them as primitive, savage. You know, that's, the, uh, that's, that's really like the the prevailing lie about, about them, I would say. Um, and I just, uh, did a podcast the other day with this guy, Chris Ryan, who wrote a book called sex at dawn and where, and his next book is called civilized to death. Uh, and so we were talking a lot about these kinds of things. Um, and he writes about, you know, hunter gatherers and stuff. And so the ways that they live, it's very important. And the things that you brought up about what you do every day to keep, to be, plugged in and, and community is a big, big part of that thing. You know, having the people around yep. you, that's huge. Um, you know, you're mentioning your family, your friends, a, a good network there, but right. You know, the, the primitive society, the, the, the things that we view as primitive societies, there's a, there's this great book called society against the state by Pierre Clastrace, I think is, is his last name. Um, and he talks about like, look, they they knew how to keep things in balance, yeah. And that's sort of the intelligent position because they they spent their time with leisure, hanging out, you know, enjoying sacraments and ceremonial settings, and then yeah, they would hunt and they would gather and they would do those sorts of things, but they 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 didn't need to do it to excess, and that was the sort of lesson I and that's a good lesson I think that, uh, that, you know, we, we can, we can use for this time, you know? Yeah, I think so. You know, in the, um, you know, within hermeticism, within the hermetic belief system, which is, you know, for anyone who doesn't know what the hermetic belief system is or what hermeticism is, it's, it's a system of, of ideas and philosophies on, uh, life in the universe that go back, um, at least to ancient Egypt. Um, we can trace that down. Uh, back to the Renaissance, back to the time of Christ with the Gnostics, back to the Neoplatonists, back to Greece, back to Egypt. And uh, it's called Hermeticism because it's obviously the Greek god Hermes was the messenger of the gods. And uh, that was the Egyptian god, Thoth, um, who was supposedly the the founder of or the creator of all sciences and math and writing and all that stuff. But what the Hermetic principles state, among many other things, is um, you know there's a principle of uh, correspondence, which says that as above, so below, as within, so without, as with the universe, so with the soul, as with the microcosm, so with the macrocosm, and so forth. Yeah. And there's also an understanding of, of duality within Hermeticism, which is to say that everything in the universe has male and female um, uh, energies within it, or aspects to it. And if you look at you know tribal beliefs from all over the world throughout history, and you look at some of the, the high civilizations um, of the past, like the great Hindu civilizations of the past and uh, the Egyptians and all that, you, you'll continue to find um, all over 
all over the world, you'll find this understanding of that duality in the way that you say. And if we understand, this is where I talk about, you know, how this is why I say it. So it's so simple and, and, it, and it's been overcomplicated um, in modern times, but really you can reduce everything down to the, the male and female aspects you know, the positive and negative polarities of, of everything in life, whether it's a thought or a possession or a relationship or, you know, in, anything that you can really think of has implications in the material and in the spiritual. And being able to find and maintain balance, um, you know, keep that needle right in, in the middle of that, uh, that scale is, is where you're going to find yourself in, you know, getting into flow state, as they say, you know, getting into yeah. a flow state, being in the flow it's that balance between discipline and surrender. You know, it's the balance between materialism and spirituality. And that's really, you know, what, what my message is at, at the core, I guess, is just, you know, help, trying to help people understand the concept of, of, um, of duality and balance within that duality. And, um, you know, for me, being a guy who, you know, runs a technology company in the 21st century, but then also grew up out in the boonies running through the forest and the trees and all that stuff, you know, there's, there's been some balance in my life experience that I just stumbled into. And when I reflected on my life, I thought, man, you know, if I could help people, you know, I don't want everyone to move off into the woods necessarily. Right. I don't want, I'm not saying we all need to go move off into the, the rainforest. And right live like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We don't, <laughs> I, I didn't grow up in the jungle um, running around uh, with a loincloth on, you know, spearing jaguars. So, I can't really, I can't, I can't, you know, proselytize for that lifestyle. I wouldn't try to push anyone into that lifestyle. Like, you know, go quit your job, you know, working at the law firm and go move to the jungle. But I would like for people to, you know, take, take, uh, take account of, of their inventory in life and say, okay, where am I at on this, on this overall, generally speaking in my life, am I living a more materialistic lifestyle or a more spiritual lifestyle or, or am I maintaining a pretty good balance? Because most people aren't, maintaining a lot of balance on that scale in their life. Right. So it's like, how often do you go out into nature? You know, how, how often do you, you know, just go sit quietly beside a river and, and listen to the water run and just feel the leaves moving around you. And, um, you know, how much time do you spend doing the things that, that really fulfill your soul, whether it's learning, learning to paint or learning to draw or playing music or, you know, writing poetry or whatever it is. Um, and that, that's one way that people can take, can really take their life, you know, by the horns and, and affect change is go sit down right now and go draw a picture, work out the creative centers in your brain. You'll find it to be soothing and calming and nourishing. And you do it enough, you know, after a, a few days or a week or whatever, it's just like working out in the gym, your creative centers are, act like a muscle. You don't right. use it, you lose it. But once you start using it, you get that back and you can restore balance to the, to the way that you see things. Right. So like I used to have a really left brain sort of perspective on most things. And that was because of what I did for a living, but I wasn't drawing, writing, creating, doing any of that stuff. And so from the outset of this journey, I realized that, you know, that doing things creatively was going to balance me out and you might not believe it, but just by training yourself to draw pictures, you know, to, to write poetry, to play music or whatever, if you're a musician, it impacts the way that you interact with your kids. It, in, it impacts the way that your perspective builds itself around your job. You know, it, it changes the way you, you react to certain situations and the way that you understand other people's behavior because, you know, this, this dualistic nature of our brain, the masculine and feminine within us, um, it's a real thing. And everything is everything. Everything's connected. And as within, so without. If you, if you create and maintain balance in your own mind and your own spiritual being, then that balance will spiral itself out into every relationship and interaction in your life. Totally. Yeah. I was, I was just talking about this today. Um, you know, this, this kind of manifestation of the external world is coming out of what's going on inside of us. So if you're straightening out your inside, you know, if, if, as Jordan Peterson says, cleaning your room, you know, that's it, that's the reflection there. You know, if you're, if you have a clean, body, mind, soul, you're going to have a clean exterior uh, sense of what you want to construct in the world. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, you, so you mentioned uh, uh, hermeticism, and I, I wonder, is this, do you think this is, because you've, you've discovered a lot of different things, and you know, I'm 
myself, I'm looking at all, you know, theosophy and this and that. And so do you think that this is a kind of a good prevailing model for you or do you just kind of acknowledge it as one of the, like, what are some of the top sort of, um, wisdom that you've discovered? Let's just say, categorize it as general wisdom that you appreciate. Sure. I'll try not to be too wordy with this, but but I, I feel like there's an answer that I want to give and I'm going to try to lay this out and I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off or not. So hang with me. Yeah, go, go for <laughs> but, it. Yeah, I'm with but, you. <laughs> um, you know, Native Americans and lots of what we would consider more, more primitive or simple tribal people, uh, like you said, they have the same concepts of duality, essentially, that, you know, um, the more compli- compli- complex or advanced um, hermeticism also has within it. But it, it's simpler, um, but they were simpler people that lived simpler lives. Their societies weren't as complex. Their government structures weren't as complex. Their religious structures weren't as complex. All that stuff was simpler. The thing about Hermeticism, I think, that to answer your question, that I think makes it sort of probably the, I don't know if it, it's one, of, it's, it's sort of the prevailing belief system that I adhere to, or I, maybe it's better to say that it's the cornerstone of, you know, this whole um village of belief systems that I've, I've combined in my own mind and, right. you know, that we sort of practice, but it's the reason why hermeticism is so effective is that it, it, it is sort of, it, it's sort of complex. It's not complicated and it's not confusing, but it's, it's advanced. I mean, this is, this is, they, they've taken a simple principle of duality and they, they have, you know, um, created within the hermetic traditions, they've, they've, they've created so much information and so many different principles that we can use to understand the universe. You know, you, you wouldn't hear something like as above, so below, as within, so without all that stuff. You wouldn't hear that or a lot of other hermetic principles from a simpler tribal culture because right. their, their, their scientific need for that level of detail in their philosophy wasn't as high right. as it was in say ancient Egypt, which was an extremely advanced culture mm-hmm. or even in Greece. Mm. Right. So hermeticism is sort of really just, it, it, it's a more immersive um, philosophical um, belief set into duality than the other, um, the other beliefs around duality that you'll find in other cultures around the world. It's, it's more advanced. It's more polished. Yeah. And um, I think it's, it, it just, it, it's, uh, it works, it works well. It, it was relevant 2000 years ago. It's, it's still relevant today. Sure. Yeah. And, and so the more, sort of materially advanced or technologically advanced the society is, the more they need sort of a more advanced belief system or, you know, set of belief systems to navigate that. Yeah, because our minds are, our minds are, you know, are, are impacted by the world around us and they impact the world around us, right? As within, so without, it's all connected. So, you know, as we, as we move into more and more complex societal structures and governmental structures, we also are exposed to more complex um, types of thought in, the, in, in materially speaking, more materially complex, you know, um, thought patterns than let's say a civilization that kind of roamed the plains hunting buffalo and following the herds. Those guys would say that there's, um, you know, the Native Americans would say that there's, um, there's two wolves inside of every person and they're fighting over the person's soul. And, you know, which the one that wins is the one that you feed. And, you know, that, that's just duality, um, plain and simple, right? Um, in a society like ours, it may be hard to relate with that kind of speech about two wolves, you know? Right, like yeah. The last I, time you saw a wolf Totally, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, it's, it's, we need, you know, again, Joseph Campbell says, we need a modern myth to live by of, of the day, of today. And he believes that this is, a planetary one, you know, we, all of these tribal societies, all of these civilizations, they had their myths, their stories, their symbols, their language to inform the sort of, uh, spectrum of values within that certain society. So you, you know, today we really do kind of need this sort of global story, global thing. Do you see, do you see like any sort of emergent, belief systems that you could identify as belief systems that are probably a bunch of other belief systems cobbled together. Uh, you know, I, I, I assume that that's probably what you're doing, right? Would you say that's something that you're doing is putting together these belief systems to kind of come out and, uh, with something that can work for our time now? Yeah, that's, that's basically it. And that's sort of, you know, loosely speaking, I guess, I guess you could say that that's, 
and that certainly is, 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 is the theme of my, of my total body of work. You know, I'm, I'm working on this, this one book, um, you know, that's really my, my, my prime project and has been for the last two years. And it's, it's these sort of methodologies that we can implement practices and habits that we can get into in our lives that, you know, will help find and maintain balance. Um, but it's not, it's not very religious and it's not really super spiritual, right? It just it lightly touches on, on the fringes of spirituality, but it's, it's, it's more of a practical book, um, than it is a spiritual one, but you know, this is, my prime project, but I've got four or four or so other books in the works that are all different things on, on mythology, on, uh, ancient civilizations. Um, and then also on, you know, sensible spirituality. And that's sort of an extension of this book, which is just diving deeper into the spirituality and trying to cobble together beliefs from, from other ones, um, you know, in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, do, do you, you know, think, I, I think, Oh, uh, go ahead. Hmm. I was just going to say that I think that, you know, obviously, you know, the new age movement would, I guess a lot of people probably, probably feel like that's the, that is the answer to your question, right? Like that, that is sort of the belief system that supposedly ties together a lot of these other ancient belief systems. Um, I, I, I personally don't, I don't know that I see, um, a great exhibition of balance within the new age movement. Right. And that's not to integrate yeah. that or to talk down on anyone who, who's into that belief system. Yeah. I, just, I, for me I, I life, will. I, it's <laughs> just like, yeah. it, it, it has a tendency to go more egoic and material, I think in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, you know, I, I find a lot of people I talk to that are, that are into new age belief systems, you know, their, their, their critical thinking is not always, you know, it's not always turned up maybe as high as, you know, as it could be, um, a lot of their, their scientific understanding is, is, or a lot of their beliefs are, are rooted in faulty scientific understanding, you know, things in other words that are not healthy spiritually right. or, or physically. Right. right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I lot, I mean, I, I appreciate what the new age movement is about, you know, at, supposedly at its core and what a lot of the people within the new age movement who identify with it, what they're about as, as individuals. But I, I think that, you know, that there's, there, there are some more practical, um, you know, practical and effective ways uh, to find balance and to maintain it in your life. Totally. Yeah, I know uh, we got a hard stop in, in a couple minutes, right? So I, I'd like to um, just like kind of give you the floor. I want you to just kind of like lay out, you know, <laughs> I feel like we're on like a CNN show. So we got 30 seconds. Please tell me how to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, just kind of tell people a little bit more about you, where they could find you, and kind of what you're all about, again, just to, to sort of wrap things up, I guess, if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Um, so you can find the Wayfinder podcast on pretty much any platform that you want to find us on. So we're on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, uh, and on Instagram. And you can just search for the Wayfinder podcast. And uh, on Instagram, it'll it's titled Shamanic Philosophy, but you can find it by searching for the Wayfinder Podcast. Just to keep it simple. Um, and uh, we, uh, this is the type of thing that we talk about. There's a lot of discussion on on esoteric philosophy and on spirituality, especially the sensible kind, um, entrepreneurship, even parenting, uh, psychedelics, meditation, um, exercise, um, different types of mindfulness practices. And I think that 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 really that's kind of the thrust of what we're trying to do with our platform. Um, the whole team is just to, uh, you know, to, to investigate the, uh, the metaphysical and to investigate the other half of, of our nature as humans that we're, we've kind of been raised, um, and, and told that those things didn't exist, right? The woo woo. Um, and then find, you know, again, find, you know, balance and find something practical that works within whatever belief systems we cobble together for ourselves. And, um, just most of all trying to treat people with love and understanding because there's really only two forces in the universe and it's love and fear. And every moment you make a choice for one or the other and it's the light wolf or the dark wolf, which one do you feed? So, you know, there's a lot of information that comes streaming in every day from the mainstream media and from social media about division and fear and suspicion and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I think we need to rise above that. People need to understand that we're, we have a lot more, a lot more in common, you know, uh, than we do different. And, um, just try to treat people better and raise kids that understand that, that concept and understand why just raise a, a generation of open-minded, loving kids to, you know, to leave the world better than they found it. 
Amazing. Amazing, man. Uh, yeah. I'm so on board with that. That is, that is awesome. I, I love what you're doing. Shamanic philosophy on Instagram and the Wayfinder podcast. Go search that out. Check this stuff out. I know I will be, uh, I'm very interested in, in learning more always. And I, I highly suggest everybody stays in the curious learning mode because there's always new doors to open. So thanks for listening guys. Adam, thanks for being on the show until next time. Peace. Mike, thanks a lot. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, we should do this again sometime. I really enjoyed speaking with you. So um, yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to some, some of the podcast episodes. I'm, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about uh, hermeticism. Awesome, man. Likewise, yeah. I'll uh, check out some of your stuff and we'll get together and do a podcast on my show here soon. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Have a good one, my friend. You too, brother. Take care. Take care. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell, share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com, patreon slash Mike Brank, and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank, and you can donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs. If you want a discount on ketogenic and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mikeadelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.